0: going to be in the book of nehemiah appreciate that song thank you for singing becky and uh, the testimony behind that song god is always only good always only good god has been so good to us and we're going to continue our series tonight on uh, this matter of god using ordinary people in an extraordinary way and when i think about myself or any of us uh, we, that's exactly what we are we're ordinary people if you look at The definition in the dictionary on this matter of being willing, and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, it's actually an adjective. It means inclined or favorably disposed in mind, to be ready, prompt to act or respond. It says here to be born, B-O-R-N-E, or accepted by choice or without reluctance. And many times when we're asked to do things, we're asked reluctantly, uh, many times we'll say, well, why? You know, your your children ever do that with you? You ask them to do something, they say, well, why? You know, uh, you want them to clean their room, and they'll say, how come? You know, many times we're very reluctant, or we want to know, if I do it, what's in it for me? And I'll tell you that we need to be in our lives, we just need to be inclined, disposed in mind, just be ready to do whatever we're asked to do. And that's the individual that we'll be looking at tonight who had the spirit of willingness And that's what made this individual an extraordinary person. Now, many times in our life, here's what we know is that every one of us has an opportunity to make a great impact in our lives. And when we're willing to be inconvenienced, when you and I are willing to give up our seat in church, when you and I are willing to let somebody step in line in front of us, when you and I are willing to let someone else... In their automobile cut in front of us, even though they weren't in the right line with their car. We're willing to set aside some things. We're willing to put aside sometimes our own comfort. Many times we do this to meet the needs of others. Certainly when we look in the Bible, even outside of the book of Nehemiah, we're familiar with many who were this type of individual. One of those we refer to as not the Samaritan, but the Good Samaritan. You guys are familiar with the story. I want you to look at the verses there in the outline of, that you received tonight. And I want you to see, and maybe you pick up on this in these verses from Luke chapter 10. The Bible says, And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he Departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him. Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Now many times I've read those verses. I know this passage. Uh, Sometimes I think that's the problem: is we become familiar with stories in the Bible to where they just become ordinary to us instead of extraordinary. When I sat and thought about this matter of being willing or having a willingness, I look back at those verses in Luke chapter number 10. Let me see if I can show you the emphasis, the willingness that I saw when I read these verses. Let's see if you pick up on it. The Bible says in Luke ten thirty four, and went to him and bound up his wounds. Pouring in oil and wine. And set him on his own beast. And brought him to an inn. And took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host. And said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Boy, if you take out all the ands out of those two verses, you take out all the willingness. I mean, that individual could have just said, Hey, look, somebody just take care of him, throw some money at him, and then walk away. But no, it was one thing after another. There was no end to his willingness. He, he, he was inconvenienced. Certainly if he put this individual on his beast, then guess what? He had to walk. Certainly if he took out his money and he gave it to the person at the end, that was money that he had to do without. I think about how that as, as he was doing all this, guess what he was giving his time? He was being inconvenienced in so many ways, but he was willing to do it. He was favorably disposed in his mind. And this is the kind of individual that we're going to study tonight by the name of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a man that understood the matter of this impact on other people's lives. Nehemiah was, no doubt, a fearless leader. He was a man that was used by God to complete a massive work for the people of God. I mean, it was an undertaking that, honestly, many people would have never even dreamed of doing. But the quality that made Nehemiah not an ordinary but an extraordinary man was present long before this great work of God began. You you oftentimes find that. That it was there long before it actually came to the surface. This quality, his extra was Nehemiah's willingness to alter his life for the benefit of others. Let me say that again. It was his willingness to alter or change his life or do without or be inconvenienced for the needs of other people. That's the kind of man that Nehemiah was. And I want you to see with me tonight three ways that we can see his life and the willingness in his life that maybe we can develop that in our own life. Look at the first thing I see about this man is you and I, like Nehemiah, need to be willing to make room for the concerns of others. Make room. Remember what happened when Mary and Joseph were looking for a place so that she could have the Christ child? And guess what? There was no room for them. No one was wanting to make a place. You think about people in the world today. Listen, many people want nothing to do with God. And Nehemiah was a man that made room. Why? Because he understood the concerns of other people. You know, I I think a lot of times when we see people walk through the doors of our church or we meet people out in society, and oftentimes we see the way that they act, and many times they're rude, they're crude, they're disrespectful. And many times, you know what we want to do? We want to just cast them away because of the way they're acting. But can I tell you that have you ever stopped to think that maybe something just happened in that person's life and that's the reason they're acting the way they're acting? Sometimes children come into Sunday school and teachers have a, have a lesson to teach and they're trying to uh, get done before the bell rings or before class ends and you've got a child that's really acting up or cutting up and, 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 and it's easy for us to kind of developed this attitude. I can't believe that he's acting the way he's acting. Many times we don't realize what that little child deals with before he comes to church. The kind of home that that boy lives in. Maybe his dad isn't even there. Maybe his mom is strung out on drugs. There's all kinds of things that people deal with and we have to ask ourselves, like Nehemiah, do we have a concern? Are we willing to care for those that have needs in their life? I want you to look at the first two verses in this book, known as the book of Nehemiah. In chapter 1, the Bible says here, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the 20th year, I was as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. Now certainly when you study the Word of God, you know that Nehemiah was a man that was a captive uh, in a foreign land. And when Nehemiah received this news, he, he heard it from this visit from this individual known as Hanani, and also certain of the group of men from Judah, When the news came to Nehemiah, this news actually turned Nehemiah's ordinary life into a life that was really turned upside down. You see, he knew that Hanani and and those individuals that were with him, that they had a greater knowledge or understanding of the situation back in his homeland. They knew about that situation, and so uh, Nehemiah asked them about his people. How are my people doing? He had a concern for the people of his homeland. Look at verse number three. They said unto me, he says, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. In other words, Jerusalem as a city had been devastated and the survivors of that devastation were now living their lives in fear and in poverty. And this was the news that came to Nehemiah. The city walls and the gates, which had been designed to protect them, to keep them safe, they had been destroyed. I mean, this was something that was of the utmost importance back in the day, that the walls around the city would keep them safe. They had been destroyed. Nehemiah was sincerely, when he hears this news, he was interested, he was concerned about the welfare of these people. And it was this that Nehemiah heard. Now listen, while he heard this news, certainly there was a lot going on in his life. I mean, yes, he was in the palace in Shushan, but understand that he was a captive, he wasn't living his life in ease. I mean, he wasn't where he wanted to be, but nonetheless, he heard this news as things were going on in his own life, because Nehemiah understood, hey, listen, just like Miss Becky's saying, God's been only good to me always. Because here he was, unlike other people. Nehemiah found himself in the palace. He was fortunate, fortunate enough as a captive to enjoy maybe some comforts in the palace. But he was living a life of restricted freedom. There were some things he was allowed to do, other things he could not have done, and that certainly had to have some complications in the life of Nehemiah. But the amazing thing is, with all that was going on in his life, Nehemiah was willing to think outside of his own situation. In other words, when he heard the news, and he inquired, and he heard this news, Nehemiah didn't think about himself. He began to think about others. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He never had a place to lay his head down. Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Jesus' whole life was about doing the will of his Father that sent him and to care for others. I mean, How many times do you read in the Bible where Jesus stops? Remember when he was going through the crowd and Jesus says, somebody touch me. And his disciples, they're almost like, are you kidding? There's so many people here. I mean, people are pushing and shoving and bumping into each other. And you want to know who was it that touched you? Jesus said, I I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. Somebody in faith reached out and touched me. Jesus cared about everyone. His disciples, you know, they were good Baptists, they wanted to go in town and get something to eat. And Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. Why? For one woman that no one wanted anything to do with. Jesus was concerned about others, and Nehemiah was the same way. He was willing to, to think outside of his own situation, I think I was thinking about Nehemiah, and there's so many here I could use as an example, but the person that first came to my mind was one of our ladies that sits back there on the back row that oftentimes every Sunday she's brought into church in a wheelchair. She sits on that back row back there with her husband and her daughter. Every Sunday, before I say anything to her, she says to me, "How's your family?" Every Sunday, she says to me, how's your mom? And I know what she's going through. And I think to myself, how can she be that way? Because she's willing to put aside her own situation. Oh, that God would give us more Joyce Chins that would care about others the way she does or the way that Nehemiah did. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That's the type of man Nehemiah was. Nehemiah, listen, he truly cared. See, a lot of people say they do. But Nehemiah really did care. And he was willing to make room for those that had concerns. But notice, secondly, about him that made him extraordinary was he was willing, and we need to be willing, to feel others' hurts. To feel others' hurts. You ever heard the saying, or has anybody ever said this to you, I feel your pain? Sometimes I deal with folks, and they're going through things in their lives. Listen, if I've been through what they're going through, then I I can at least sympathize I can at least say, listen, I I understand what you're going through. But if I sit down with somebody and they're going through something that I've never gone through in my own life, I can't say, look, I understand what you're going through. But a lot of times people are like that. I feel your pain, but the truth is many times we can be apathetic. We can be too involved in our own concerns to take the time, like Nehemiah did, to really try to understand and feel the pain that somebody else is going through. I was thinking about our dear brother who's with the Lord. I'm glad he's with the Lord. But all the pain that brother Ken went through, I just, I I can't explain it. Many people ask me, Pastor, why? why? Why did he go through that? I don't know. Might be one of those that we sit around the river of life and the Lord might tell us someday. I don't know. I don't know why people suffer the way that they do. I know God has a purpose. But I'll tell you this, I tried to understand what he was going through. I tried to, to, to understand the hurt and the pain that was there. See, Nehemiah wasn't apathetic Nehemiah heard about the affliction and the the reproach that those that were living there and that that the walls had been broken down. Nehemiah understood that these people were hurting. He didn't say to them, yeah, life stinks. That's not what Nehemiah did. The truth is, is that Nehemiah understood. And I want you to see how he responded to this in verse number 4 because he understood that they were hurting. The Bible says it came to pass when I heard these words notice what he does. I sat down and wept and mourned, not just for five minutes. The Bible says certain days. And it didn't stop there. He fasted. And it didn't stop there. He prayed before the God of heaven. One of the young men in our Sunday school hour this morning after I taught the lesson, and the lesson was on David, when David had committed the sin with Bathsheba and the situation, the judgment of God, the whole ordeal with this child for seven days, and then the child died. God sent Nathan to confront David about the whole thing. And I mentioned how David did the same thing. David mourned, and he wept, and he fasted, and he prayed. One of the young men Caught me in the in, in the foyer after the Sunday school hour, and he says to me, He goes, Pastor, what, what is this matter of fasting? He said, What is fasting? And I began to explain it to him. And he kind of looked at me, he didn't he didn't really understand it. I told him, I said, you know, when we fast, when we do without certain things that the flesh enjoys, it's one way to say to God that we're serious about what it is that we're petitioning him about. I told him, I said, People have have funny ideas about fasting. When I began to explain it to him, and I don't know if I've ever explained it from this pulpit before, I told him, I said, there's many ways you can fast. It's not sometimes just a food fast. Do you know that you can have a media fast? You can do without any form of media for a day, a couple days, a week. No cell phone. That's how some people would be. I've known some people who have done not only a media fast, I know some of you would really struggle with this one. They did a coffee and soda fast. That's denying the flesh. We just might have revival. But how many of you know that if you fast from coffee and soda, That you're showing God how serious you are. See, that's the way Nehemiah was. He was willing. He understood the hurt of these people. The Bible says he wept and mourned and he fasted. I mean, he thought about their pain. And when Nehemiah thought about their pain, guess what it did? It brought pain. Their tears brought tears to him. Somebody said a long time ago, compassion is having their hurt in my heart. Remember how Jesus wept over Jerusalem? I'm going to be honest with you, and I know a lot of Jews wouldn't like this statement, but Jesus wasn't weeping over a city. Just like the church is not a building. Jesus was weeping over the people. The people of God. Nehemiah thought about these people in Jude chapter 1, which is the only chapter, verse 22, says, and of some have what? Compassion. Notice, making a difference. We make a difference in people's lives when we understand their hurts. Somebody defined compassion as the feeling or emotion when a person is moved by the suffering or distress of another and by the desire to relieve it. Look what it says in Romans 12, verse 15, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that do weep. When was the last time you or I grieved to watch someone go through a trial? We actually shed a tear for someone that was hurting. See, Nehemiah, instead of reacting like many people would, Nehemiah was willing to feel their pain. He, he, listen, he he was an individual that wasn't apathetic or indifferent to them. And you and I, we are called in our lives as Christians to step in and to lift other people's burdens. The Bible says, "Bear ye one another's burdens." And when we do, we fulfill the law of Christ. I love that word there when it talks about bearing one another's burdens it actually means, it's a military term, it means to take their, their backpack and put it on you. Now here's the issue. You're already carrying one. God says, I want you to carry yours and theirs. And when you do that, you're fulfilling the law of Christ. See, Nehemiah's extra, you know what it was? His willingness to be burdened with others pain and nehemiah was a man that was grieved right along with them see i see his willingness to feel others hurts but then notice the third thing i see about him is that he was willing and we need to be willing to act in response to the need you know my pastor always uses the quote see the need take the lead i mean how sad is it listen folks that we, God shows us something. We see something. Let's go back to the story we started with, the good Samaritan. What made him good? Do you remember what the priest and the Levite did? Oh, they stayed over on the other. We don't cross the tracks. We don't go on that side of town. They walked. Religious people wouldn't do a thing. But here comes a Samaritan, a half-breed Jew. And came to the person. Actually did something about it. See, we have have an opportunity this coming Sunday. By the way, we might have an open house, but we have an opportunity not only this Sunday, but every Sunday, but every day of our lives as a Christian to do something for God. What is it that God wants us to do? Be willing to act in response to needs. Nehemiah wasn't just content with, and by the way, he did weep. He he wept with them and he wept for them. But see, it didn't stop there for Nehemiah. Nehemiah took swift action. He went before God, humbly. He went before God and he cried out to God for wisdom and for direction. God, what would you have me to do? Now, listen, he's limited. Where's he at? He's in the palace, he's a slave. There's only so much that he can do. And by the way, you and I, when we find ourselves in situations, many times we think to ourselves, what can I do? We serve a God that can do anything. Amen. See, we, we're limited, folks, but our God's never bound. Ask Paul when he was sitting in prison. Paul just thought to himself, hey, it's just another opportunity to go soul winning. I mean, how many people are going to get locked up so that they can lead people to Christ? That's what Paul did. You think about Paul, he was stoned and left for dead. It's an opportunity for Paul to do something for God. So what did Nehemiah do? Well, look at chapter 1, beginning in verse number 5. Look what he does. He begins to act in response to the need. He heard the news. The people are... In distress, in affliction, they're in reproach. The walls are broken down, burned. And look at verse 5. He said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive. Let thine eyes open. And that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant. Which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the people, the children of Israel, thy servants. And confess the sins of the children of Israel. Which we, notice the plurality there, that means he included himself. He says, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, Though they, there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and I will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants. Can you hear him? He, he's praying, but he's really talking and reminding God. There's nothing wrong with that. You ever prayed your Bible? And he says right here, these are thy servants. He says, thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name. And prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day. And grant him mercy in the sight of this man for i was the king's cupbearer here he is he's he sees this great need he's understanding the hurt that these people are going through and his first action yes was to pray for them there was a great need here and while he's praying he admits That the whole reason that they're in the shape that they're in, just like David we looked at this morning, was the sin that led to the problem at hand, that he was boldly reminding God of the promise that God had made to his people through his servant Moses. More than that, David says, listen, God, we and I, we don't deserve it, but we need your mercy. And when these people were hurting and they had this need, sometimes, listen, there is more than we can do than prayer and pray. But Whatever else we do, it has to start with prayer. Notice, I want you to see what one of the great missionaries of old, J. Oswald Sanders, said, Prayer does not outfit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. He says it's got to begin with that. A preacher of days gone by, A.J. Gordon, he said, You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you can never do more than pray until you have prayed. And that's what Nehemiah did. He prayed to God, but then he took the next step. I mean, God began to work in his life, God had blessed his life, God had given him this position as a cupbearer to the king. Listen, I'm going to tell you something, might not have been the most glamorous job. Remember, you ever try this with your kids? You know, they get something to eat and you know it's good. And you're like, listen, you need to let dad taste that to make sure it's okay. You ever done that with your kids? And you keep eating and your kid looks at you and says, hey, that's my food. But see, the reason that the king had a cupbearer is because people were always trying to kill the king. They would poison the king. I mean, can you see people lining up saying, I want to be the cupbearer for the king? No, there wasn't people standing in line for that job. But it was a privilege to be the cupbearer for the king. And he knew that God had blessed him. Some of you, listen, I understand you work. And some of you work for uh, some of the most evil and wicked people that, that probably live in this area. But can I tell you, God has blessed you with a job. Now, I know sometimes you're like, Pastor, you come to work with me tomorrow, and you deal with what I deal with day in and day out. Listen, you know what's worse than the job that you have? No job. See, Nehemiah, look, he understood, I've been blessed by God. I mean, I'm in Shushan the palace. And that job that was given to him by God, here's the best part of it was, that job just happened to have with it access to power and influence. He was the cupbearer to the king. Many other people did things in the palace, but they didn't have the privilege to be in the presence of the king the way that Nehemiah did. And he understood that this was something that God gave him, that opportunity. And here's what Nehemiah did. He took advantage of that. See, when he had an opportunity, he approached the king. Look at chapter 2 and verse 5. And he, here's what he says, I said unto the king, if it please the king, I mean, listen, you had to be careful when you came before these kings. Remember what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, listen, king, we understand who you are. I mean, we're very careful to answer thee, they said to, to King Nebuchadnezzar. And so here's Nehemiah, Nehemiah says, look, I understand that this is the king, he can do what he wants, and so he was very God gave him wisdom on how to approach the king. And he says, if it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight. Now, who is it that gives us favor with people? God does. And he says, listen, if I've been a good servant, if I, if I found some favor in your sight, watch what he says, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulcher, that I may build it. Now, you know what happens when The king lets him go. That means somebody else has to do his job. But he asks this, he requests this, and amazingly, and by the way, this is how our God is, the king agrees to it. I mean, we won't go into the story tonight, but he allows Nehemiah to go back to his homeland. It's, It's really remarkable. The journey there, the provisions, I love the whole story. This is one of the greatest Uh, stories on leadership that you find in the Bible. Here's a good one is that as he goes back, the, the Bible tells us that Nehemiah undertakes this wall building project. Anybody remember how many days it took him to rebuild the wall? Yeah, somebody's been reading their Bible 52 days, less than two months. That shed that's out there on the back of our property It went from April to December to put up a 20 by 20 hollow shell with no electricity, no running water. It took that long for a little building like that, but in 52 days, they built an entire wall around the city of Jerusalem. I say, that's amazing. That's our God. You see, Nehemiah had an opportunity and he didn't just oversee the job. You study the book yourself. Nehemiah was right there in the middle of what was going on. He took to heart this matter about bearing one another's burdens. I mean, strategically, he set the people on the wall and they worked with a trial in one hand and a spear or a sword in the other hand. Hey, they were watching out. You, you read the story how his burden that he had for these people and for this city, that it was put to the test in the book of Nehemiah when he encountered resistance from some hostile neighbors. I mean, they said, "Hey, listen. Why don't you come on down from that wall and let's have us an ecumenical meeting and let us discuss the the the, the plan of God for the ages and let's just be a one world order." And, and and listen, our God is your God and Nehemiah says, "No, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down from this wall." You see, he understood the burden that was there and he laid his life on the line. And the whole reason he did it was to protect the work of God and the people of God see he cared the entire book it's amazing book I love this study of this book people have written books modern day books on leadership from the book of Nehemiah the things that he did what he accomplished how he led the people his leadership was something that yes was beyond ordinary but can I tell you that wasn't what made Nehemiah extraordinary what made him extraordinary was his willingness in his heart to do what God had put there. I think to myself tonight, how willing am I? Because everywhere you look, every time you come in contact with someone, everywhere we go, there are people that have needs. And Nehemiah, he saw that. He knew that they were hurting. Do we care? Are we concerned? One way that we can show that we care and that we are concerned is by doing something. Look what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah writes, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, read those words, hear, send Yeah, you know, we're real good about, here am I, Lord, send Guy. Here am I, Lord, send Brother Hanson. How many of us would be willing? Remember, Nehemiah had to leave the palace. But he had a burden for God's people. And I want to tell you something. Even though the project was the wall, It wasn't about the wall. It was about protecting the people inside of that wall. Willingness. See, God gave this man a burden and a life that is willing to consider the needs of others and to be used by God to bear their burdens is a life that God can use. Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 12. If there be first, what? A willing mind. Look, it all starts right here. That's the battle. No doubt Nehemiah had a willing heart. But God says if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. The question tonight is, how willing are you? Do you want to be used by God and for God? Not for yourself, but for others. Would you bow your heads with me tonight with our heads bowed? Lord, thank you for this evening and thank you for the great example from the life of Nehemiah. Lord, I pray that you just bless the invitation tonight, that your will would be done in our lives. God, that there would be a a willingness for us to see the need, to be concerned that there are those around us that are hurting, to pray. On their behalf, to bear their burdens, but then to do something about it. I wonder what our response is. We don't know what we're going to face this week, but you do. God, I pray that you'd help us to see the needs around us and do something about it. Would you stand with me tonight?